Good morning. Wow, this is different. It's been a long time since I've been up here. Thank you all for coming today. I appreciate it. I love fall. Cool mornings and not too hot in the daytime. I appreciate that a bunch. Thank you for coming. Let's look to God in a word of prayer. Father, we know you're heart's desire for us today. Thank you for being holy like you are, always have been. Thank you for your love for us. Send your son. Lord, open our hearts today, right now, to the words of, that you've written. We can talk about them, apply them, give us strength and courage. And let's have the conviction to do what is right and make those decisions that are meaningful for all eternity. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. There's a story in the Old Testament involving Elijah and Elisha. Now, I always get those two guys mixed up. They're pretty close, you know, name-wise. Elijah came first. Elisha came second. So that's what we're going to be dealing with today. The story about them and how what we can get from it. It should be clear to anyone who is tempted to be a Christ follower that God has called every one of us to be engaged in his service to others. God is looking for a people full of passion. Christ followers are passionate people. Christ followers are people who burn when they passionately serve God and others. Too often we take life-changing grace of being a Christian and we take it so lightly. Listen to me now. Serving God is much more than an emotional experience. Serving God is more than a great worship and good music like we've had this morning. That's part of it. That's not all. Serving God is more than reading our Bibles and praying every day. That's part of it, but not all of it. Serving God is more than keeping ourselves unspotted from this world that, that we're in. Serving God is always about others. I believe God is calling this church to another level of walking with Him. I believe God is calling you and me to another level in our spiritual journey. Maybe you are resting. Maybe you've taken a break for a little while. Maybe you've put your time in and just don't feel it anymore. But maybe you've never really applied your passion to God's work. God has no reserves or weekend warriors. God is looking for people who serve, who serve him by serving others. Now let's look at the story in 2 Kings chapter 2, starting in verse 1. Read it with me. Read along with me or, or as I read. Not long ago, before the Lord took Elijah up into heaven in a strong wind, Elijah and Elisha were leaving Gilgal. 
Elijah said to Elisha, The Lord wants me to go to Bethel, but you must stay here. Now see, Elijah's the, you want to say, the boss, so to speak. And, and, but Elisha replied, I swear by the living Lord and by your own life that I will stay with you no matter what. And he went with Elijah to Bethel. A group of prophets, verse 3, who lived there, asked Elisha, Do you know that today the Lord is going to take away your master? Yes, I do, Elisha said, or answered, but don't remind me of it. I like his answer. <laughs> Elijah said to Elisha, Now the Lord wants me to go to Jericho, but you must stay here. Again, Elisha replied, I swear by the living Lord and by your own life, and I will stay with you no matter what. And he went with Elijah to Jericho. A group of prophets who lived there asked Elisha, Do you know that today the Lord is going to take away your master? Yes, I do. I can imagine you getting pretty upset. Elisha answered, But don't remind me of it. Elijah then said to Elisha, Now the Lord wants me to go to Jordan River, but you must stay here. Elisha replied, I swear by the living Lord and by your own life, I will never leave you. So the two of them walked on together. Now, three times that happened. Fifty prophets who followed Elijah and Elisha from Jericho then stood at a distance and watched as the two men walked toward the river. When they got there, Elijah took off his coat then he rolled it up and struck the water with it. And once a path opened through the river, and the two of them walked across on dry ground. After they had reached the other side, Elijah said, Elisha, the Lord will soon take me away. What can I do for you before this happens? Elijah answered, Please give me twice as much of your power as you gave the other prophets, so I can be the one who takes your place as their leader. It won't be easy, easy Elijah answered. It can, only ha it can happen only if you see me as I am being taken away. Elijah and Elisha were walking along and talking when suddenly there appeared between them a flaming chariot pulled by fiery horses. Right away a strong wind took Elijah up into heaven. Elisha saw this and shouted, Israel's cavalry and chariots have taken my master away. And Elijah, after Elijah had gone, Elisha tore his clothes in sorrow. What a story. But what does it mean? Let's apply it. Number one, what can we learn from Elisha? He refused to be distracted he refused to be distracted. Here it is again. As surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. Three times he said that. Three times Elijah tried to send Elisha away or make him stay. And the prophets came out and tried to give him a discouraging word. He would not be, but he would not be distracted by any of it. He said, don't remind me. I know God's taken Elijah from me today. But don't remind me of it. You know, Philippians chapter 3. 
The Apostle Paul kind of says the same thing. Let's, let's look at that. Philippians chapter 3. I know it's not on the board. I'm sorry. It just happened to hit me here. Um, Philippians 3, and I'm going to start verse 14. Philippians 3, 14 and 15. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let us, therefore, as many as are perfect or mature, have this attitude. In other words, um, the Apostle Paul says, I might have made it yet. I'm still striving. I, I, I leave what behind the past there. And I keep pressing on. I keep going on. I'm not quitting. Elijah did the same thing. I'm not going to be distracted. And it makes a difference what happens. I'm not going to be distracted. But you know what? God called Elisha to a mission. And he planned on fulfilling it passionately. Very easy to get distracted when you're trying to, trying to fulfill the mission that God has given to us. Every God follower is a missionary. Every one of you are. And every missionary has a mission. This mission gives us intentionality, a purpose. The person with a mission has no moments to waste. But you must ask yourself a question this morning. What is it that God is calling me to be passionate about? I say Elisha was passionate about staying with Elijah, wouldn't you? He's not going to leave him. There is no way. What are the things in this life that are causing me to be distracted from the mission that God has given me? What is it that causes people to get tired of ministry to others and find it easy to sit down on the sidelines? What is it that enables Christ's followers to disengage from important ministries that are so needful for others? Two suggestions. Number one, people can distract us. Yeah, they can those prophets came out and said to Elisha, hey, Elisha, do you know, you do know that the Lord's going to take Elijah away from you today. The Lord's going to take your master away from you. Don't bother me with that, he said. It doesn't matter. Don't bother me. I don't want to think about it. There were sometimes the very people who are trying to help can often drain us of our spiritual passion. A guy by the name of Gordon McDonald wrote a book called Renewing Your Spiritual Passion. And it gives us a breakdown of five different kinds of people. Number one, a very resourceful people. They ignite our passion. Number two, the very important people. They share our passion. Number three, the very trainable person. They catch our passion. And then there's the very nice people who enjoy our passion. And then there is number five, the very draining people. They sap our passion. That's what the devil can bring along to drain us of our mission and our passion. But Elisha would not be distracted. We can't either. The very people we want to help distract us. 
Number two, being too busy to take time for spiritual renewal. Being too busy. If we learn anything from the life of Christ, it ought to be the understood the principle of spiritual renewal. How many times did our Lord Jesus, during the middle of the night, take off? I went to the mountain, I went to the hillside, and prayed by himself. Constantly he was doing that throughout his life. Now listen, friend, he was God. He was deity. And he had to do that. So I'm telling you right now, sometimes we are distracted because we don't spend enough time with our God alone. Renewal. If you're going to engage in ministry of any kind, you must understand the importance of spending time with God for strength and renewal. Arla's cousin, you all know him better as uh, Danny Cooper, the preacher man. I, I guess he's on a seven-week sabbatical. Now, I didn't know what that is. Except I know what he does. Nothing. For seven weeks, he does nothing. No preaching, no teaching, no calling, nothing. That drives me crazy. But anyway, okay. But what's it for? He has been going so strong for so long, he needed some time off. To get his wits back to him, to get renewed with the spirit of ministry he wanted to do, he wants to do. Sometimes we get so busy doing God stuff that we forget to take time to keep up our passion for the God we are serving. We get so busy doing God stuff. We forget to take time to keep our passion for the God we are serving. Another distraction. Number two. Elisha was passionate about his calling. We need to be that way too. Elisha was first mentioned in 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 19 through 21. Here we have Elijah Coming to Elisha, out in the field, Elisha was plowing with his oxen out in the field. And Elijah went over to him and threw his coat on him. Just threw it on top of it. Well, that's kind of weird. Well, it would be today. But back then, it meant, hey, I've chosen you. I've chosen you. I want you to come follow me. You know what Elijah did? Elisha did? He did that. He, he butchered those two cows, cattle. He burned his plow, gave the meat to people to eat, and he went and followed Elijah. And we don't hear about Elisha until the end of the passage we just read. All the time, Elisha was there doing what? 
following Elijah and was his attendant. From the point on in the story of Elijah, the old prophet, we have no record of Elijah and his work. The only thing we have is he set out to follow Elijah and become his attendant. And that's all we know. Elisha stayed in the background. And if I know old preachers, I hope I don't get this way. But I know a few old I'm not old, okay? I know a few old preachers. I don't like to be running very much. They get grouchy. They do. I still like him, but I, I can, I, I'm just thinking in my mind, Elijah may have been the same type of a person, but Elisha followed him anyway. And he was never included in anything that was written about Elijah. He just served as Elijah's attendant. God expects every one of us to serve by serving others. He calls us to serve without recognition. He calls us to serve him because it is right to serve him. Not because we get a Christ follower of the month award. Oh, we can give those out. Hey, you did real good this much. We'll give you an award for being a Christ follower. No. Elisha didn't want that. He didn't get that. To be dedicated to our calling and the ministry we are engaged means we put time and effort to whatever God has called us to do. Hear me, please. Lack of dedication is the curse of the modern church. Too often we offer God what is left of our time and our talents and our money and hope he accepts them as a noble sacrifice. Shame on us. I believe God is calling this church to do some very special and unique things in this community, in this building. Now, the ministry and effectiveness of this church will be built around men and women, you, who are sold out to God in serving others. The un paid servants who daily live out their calling and dedication to God through serving others. There are an incredible amount of ministries that need to be done. But I want to be honest with you. I would rather them not to be attempted at all. They'd be done in a sloppy, undisciplined, and careless manner. I have been praying that God will help us identify the people among us who are really want to be committed to the journey. Not the end. The journey. The people who sense a calling to minister to others and who will be dedicated to their calling. If you teach a class, be dedicated to it. Prepare and give your best to that work. 
If you lead a small group, do it with every ounce of energy and preparation you can possibly give it. If you're working with children and young people, you'll have to realize that you, that you are not doing this for me or for Lloyd. You're doing it for God. And you ought to be giving it your best. The bottom line is this. If we are Christ followers, we will serve Him passionately and be dedicated to the calling He has given us. Gone. Is the idea of last minute preparation and shoddy work. Gone will be the idea that just, it's just for the church, so I'll just do just enough to get by. I, I told the story before, I'm going to tell it again. It fits right here. A lady was going through a freezer one day and she found a butterball turkey. Wow, look what I found! Man, when did I buy this? Well, she kind of wiped off the frost. And it was 10 years old. So, this lady decided, okay, she called up Butterball Factory. And she said, hey, I want to know, uh, I've had this turkey in the freezer for, it's not ever been thawed, it's still frozen, for 10 years. Is this still good? <laughs> and the man on the other side of the phone said, well, uh, yes, man, the meat will still, it, it's not rotted, it's going to make, you can still eat it, and it'd be all right. It's not going to have much taste, though. The flavor is going to be gone. It's going to be kind of blah. And the lady said, yeah, that's what I thought, too. So I'll just give it to the church. I'm afraid that's what a lot of people think. I'm here with you just today to tell you this. Serving God is not second place or third place or fourth place. It needs to be number one. You know what happens when we serve God, number one? Everything else, every other concern in our life it's in order. Because we are serving God Almighty and where we ought to be serving and with whatever our passion is. And guess what happens to the rest of our life? Hey, it gets in order too. I don't know how God does that, but it happens. As we move to what God is calling us to be as a church, there will be those who won't Make the journey. It's too hard. Too much time. It requires too much work. Well, they say that healthy churches are filled with people who have a mind to work. That phrase comes from Nehemiah, the building the wall. That people had a mind to work. Healthy churches defy the 80-20 principle, which says 20% of the people do 80% of the work and 80% of the people watch the 20% do the work. That's the way it is. Uh, not here. Not here. I don't want that. 
And you know what? We already defy that principle. I know we do. But I want more so. Elisha had a passion to do something. Number three, he had a sense of purpose. Elisha had a sense of purpose which kept him faithful to his work. He saw the big picture. He got it. He knew that God was calling him to something that was far beyond what he could imagine. God wanted him to do something that was bigger than what he was currently doing. To be passionate about your mission and ministry, you must have a sense of destiny that God is calling to be part of. Uh, today, tomorrow, next week, next year, 10 years from now, 50 years from now, I won't be here. Some of you will. It's still there. It doesn't change. God has given us a purpose to do this and we're going to stay at it. God wanted him to do something bigger than what he was currently doing. Elisha knew that. To be passionate about your mission and ministry, you must have a sense of destiny that God is calling you to be part of. All the time Elisha was ministering to the sh in the shadow of Elijah, he was doing it because of the sense of destiny that God had placed within him. You talk to any minor league baseball players who take long bus rides to play in small cities across the country. They sense a calling to be a, a bigger destiny. Talk to the guys who are riding the benches on professional sports teams across the country, and they'll tell you they are working just as hard as the guys who get all the press. Talk to Kurt Warner, who stocked grocery shelves and played arena football, a man of faith who got a call and became one of the most successful quarterbacks in NFL history. When there were no cameras and no lights and publicity, he kept honing his skills and playing his hardest. He kept consuming fire burning. When the call came, he was ready. Elijah was ready to leave. He said, Elisha, I'm, I'm going to go home to heaven. What do you want me to do for you before I leave? It didn't take Elisha 10 hours to figure out, or 10 minutes, or 10 seconds to figure out what he wanted. He knew it already. Because Elijah had thrown his coat on top of Elisha, what was happening is, Elisha understood that Elijah was giving him leadership. I'm giving this to you, Elisha. So Elisha felt the burden Wow, you want me to lead your people now? Who am I? So Elisha said to Elijah, when Elijah said, what do you want me to do for you? I'm going to double portion of your power. I'm going to double portion so I can, I can lead because I'm not capable. He knew God had called him, and he knew he needed more of God than ever to fulfill that calling. Serving God is not a picnic in the, in the, 
a picnic or a walk in the park. It's hard work. It takes a sense of destiny and a commitment to a passion about our calling. Well, wait a minute. But Gary, I, I don't know my calling. I really don't know where God is leading me. I think it's time. If you're in that situation, you don't know your calling. Where God wants you in his ministry. May I suggest you get on your knees? No. You fall on your knees. And you plead with all of your heart. God, I know I need <coughs> and compassion for something. I need to be passionate about some ministry. What is it, Lord, you want me to do? Help me to find that. Irvin McManus in his book Seizing the Divine Moment tells this story. He was on a family a vacation and a speaking engagement in Florida and uh, his wife and two sons uh, two, two, uh, Aaron and Mariah were there with him son and daughter. They were looking forward to enjoying the warm waters of the Gulf of Mexico and Aaron's assignment was to call several thousand singles to a life of sacrifice. But a tropic storm had just hit the area and left the waters basically unswimmable. But my little boy, he said, Aaron, insisted on going down to the beach. So he walked to the beachside hotel down four steps right onto the beach. Aaron says, to my right, we're probably a hundred or so singles enjoying the war of sun. Then I saw him. He had somehow managed to find his way to the water, and now he began to find his way back. I had not seen him before. He did not appear to be part of the retreat. In fact, nobody even was aware of him. He appeared to be alone in the middle of the crowd. He was a double amputee and worked his way with the, with the use of specialized crutches through, through the sandy beach, just as I noticed him. One crutch slipped, and he fell hard in the sand. Undaunted, undaunted, he pulled himself back up again and began again. Only to fall again. It all happened to see what an instant long enough for me to see him to my right and choose to turn to the left. <laughs> Aaron says, I wish I could simply say I wasn't thinking, but the problem was I was. I knew if I turned to the right, I would have to do something. So he said, I turned to my left. I gently placed my arm on my son's shoulder and turned him away. And began talking to him to distract him from the scene below. We hadn't gone very far, a few feet, and I'm sure I was free of my any responsibility. My son stopped me. To my surprise, he says, I have to go help that man. 
No explanation was needed. I knew exactly what he meant. His words pierced through me. And I stood there paralyzed in my hypocrisy. I could only look at him and say, then, go help him. Several thoughts were racing through my mind. I had been caught. It was one of them. Yet at that point, it wasn't that I was unwilling to go. It was clear that this was Aaron's moment. I had missed mine. His compassion had moved him to, her, to be a hero. While Aaron seized his divine moment, I was stuck in a moment I couldn't get out of. I watched my 10-year-old son run across the beach and without explanation began to pick the man up and had to wonder what the man was thinking. <laughs> and I wondered what the man was thinking. This little boy grabbed him and his crutch and tried to pull him up. I watched as the crowd turned and saw Aaron's futile attempt to help the man back to the hotel deck. Almost immediately, I watched the crowd move toward Aaron and the man. Someone picked up the crutches. While others reached down and picked up the man, the group moved as one unit and committed to helping the man complete his journey. After the group helped him to the hotel deck, Aaron came running back to me and there were tears in his eyes. He looked at me and said, his innocent conclusion, I couldn't help him. I wasn't strong enough. He couldn't see that no one would have helped the man if he had not taken the initiative. Aaron says, my sense of shame was overwhelmed by my deep sense of pride in my son and who he is becoming. I explained to Aaron that his strength carried the man. It's because of him that others came to his aid. As we listen to that story, I believe God is calling each one of us to a ministry and a passion for that ministry. And will give us a sense of destiny to serve Him. He simply wants our dedication. Friend, It may be as simple as sweeping the floor of this building. Or maybe cleaning out the toilet in somebody's house. Or it may be figuring out what's wrong with somebody's computer. Several of us do that already. Or everything else in between. Here's my challenge, friend. Whatever it is, you don't have a, a mission, you don't have a calling, it's time to get on our knees, fall on our knees, and ask God for it. Number two, if we found it, Let's be passionate about it. And get a sense of destiny. Why am I doing this? To 
God's glory. And we're not going to give up. Elisha said, no, I'm not going to leave you, Elijah. I'm staying with you. And I want a double portion of your power. Because I don't know how I'm going to lead. Thank you for listening today. I pray what we've been able to say can challenge us. And we do have some questions along these lines. And I want you to consider today. And um, they're up here. And again, we want you to go ahead and find small groups and talk about this. Answer every one of these questions. Everybody in your group. And we'll determine whether or not we have a mission and how passionate we are about it. Now, next Sunday afternoon, it's on our sheets. The church is going to ask for your commitment to a mission of something. We're going to go through those. We're going to be talking about that. You've all gotten invites. And I, I pray that you have. And, and, and we're going to carry out what we've talked about today. <coughs> Being committed to a passion to serve God by serving others. Thank you for listening. Like Dad mentioned, um, we will have opportunity next Sunday to... Uh